Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Yeah, right now, before we started the show, there was a pleasant conversation that Randall was having with Nick Redfern, who uses a notebook computer, as most people who have personal computers do, Macs or Windows. And Randall was saying, you know, how much more flexible a desktop computer with multiple monitors is. And I tell you, I use a 27-inch iMac with a big, sprawling screen. I'm happy with it. I'm a notebook fan. But, you know, to each his own. Seriously speaking, let's really do a show here. Last week, we had Paul Eno as our guest, and he brought up some fascinating stuff. Always have a lot of fun with Paul. You really also liked talking with his son, Ben, the father and son team. Those two were really great to have on the show. Really positive vibes from those guys and really interesting stories, too. While I'm at it, I'd like to thank everyone who, while we got talking about music and videos and stuff, went to uh, check out my music video. Thanks a lot, everyone, for that. But uh, those guys are fabulous. And we got to get them back again sooner than, what was it, 10 years or something between the the previous two episodes? It was 10 years from the last time we talked to Ben. Now, just to point this out parenthetically, on my now expired technology show, The Tech Night Out Live, for the first two years, my son Grayson and I were on it before he went off to college. Just to mention. So I understand really what Paul and Ben are like. Yeah, that was a really good show with them. But it's too bad uh, Ben couldn't stay with us longer. But we'd like to get him back for an after the Paracast session with, at some point, too, just to keep on talking about sounds. And we got talking about frequencies. And uh, we didn't even get into the Schumann resonance thing, which uh, is something I'd like to get his opinion on, too, at some point. So really looking forward to having those guys back. Nick, do you have any insights on EVPs and stuff since we got you online? EVPs? Oh, no, I've never dug into anything like that at all. We actually did a couple of shows on it where we had Michael Esposito, I think, and we played some recordings. And it's like a cosmic Rorschach test or something, because you can hear things in them that may not be there, similar. I guess it's like what the Beatles might have done when they were playing their songs backwards. Another thing here, this is something I know that Nick Redfern might be interested in. And I'm going to ask him a question right now. And let me see what he might know the answer to this, Nick. Those in our country, millennials, ages 18 to 34, it's primarily USA, 50th anniversary of the moon landing. What percentage do you think believes the moon landing was faked? Give me a number. Oh, God, I have no idea. I mean, I think we went to the moon for a lot of friends I know. Don't believe we went to the moon. I know I've got a couple of friends who think we did go and that the photos were screwed up and so they had to recreate it. But I have no idea. I've never really sort of debated it with anyone, really. Okay, here's the results. And this comes from satelliteinternet.com. I don't know about the demographics about this, so it may be quite imprecise. But over 54... Our age is 3%, believe it was faked. 35 to 54, 8%. 18 to 34, 18%. And possibly it might also be because of the fact that we haven't been back in so many years. 
It's a huge number of people, 18% of the population. This is in the United States, I'm assuming. Well, it's online so that I can conceive that others outside the country could have participated. Voted in it as well. Yeah, but I mean, that's a huge number of people to just deny the overwhelming evidence that we did go there. Well, I think there's also another possible angle as well that maybe in today's world, a lot of people don't care if we did or not. (laughs) That could be an angle as well. Yeah, you got a point there. I mean, like I'm old enough to remember when I was a kid and we'd go to the mall and they'd have those walls of televisions in those days. And I remember watching the actual Apollo takeoffs and the moon landing. And that was incredible for me. It inspired my whole interest in science and everything else. So I guess maybe living through it makes a difference, which is why people over 54 is only down to 3%. Well, this sort of just demonstrates, you know, the sort of belief systems and trends and how, you know, over the years, you know, views change and approaches to different things change, you know. I think sort of polls and, you know, looking into how many people believe this or that, I mean, that's notoriously inaccurate. You know, you only have to look at the last election. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's really good. I was going to say the 18% who doesn't believe is probably the same group that voted for Trump. Okay, we're getting to politics here. But seriously, (laughs) you just raised a point there. One of the big issues, controversial issues in the 2016 election was Russian interference in the American election. I'm not going to say alleged anymore. I think with all the military agencies in the U.S. agreeing with the Mueller report stating chapter and verse with a number of Soviet hackers being charged, they'll never be arrested, with participating, we realized something was being done. Of course, it's true that all the countries are doing something, but this was a targeted effort, something that the Soviets did to influence us. But, you know, this is nothing new with the Soviets pulling stunts with Americans. It goes back quite a few years, and I suspect this fuels Nick's latest book. It's about UFOs, Russian meddling, Soviet spies, and Cold War secrets. It's called Flying Saucers from the Kremlin. Nick, does this <laughs> kind of lead us to that? Well, yeah, it does. Um, and I think, you know, time-wise, um, it's very timely. You know, it's one of these aspects of the UFO subject, I think, that very much kind of goes under the radar, so to speak, in the sense that most people aren't aware of the sheer extent to which over the years and decades, the Russians have sort of stuck their nose into things which have absolutely nothing to do with them. But they've used the UFO subject, particularly the height of the Cold War, as a means to try and provoke hysteria and fear and paranoia within not just the population, but within people in government as well, you know, the Department of Defense and the Pentagon, by spreading bogus stories about UFOs. Now, it's clear that this has gone on. And I'm guessing, even though the book that I've written, you know, is sort of 250 pages or something like that, I'm sure there's a great deal more going on as well. I mean, I used the Freedom of Information Act for this book and got 
cases and files from Australia, the UK and the US, where the Russians had clearly stuck their noses in as a means to try and manipulate and seed bogus stories about UFOs and inferring that the Russians had alien technology and were seeding these bogus stories into US intelligence, really just trying to mess with the minds of the generals you know, in the Pentagon with totally bogus stories of alien technology in the Russians' hands, which, when you look into it, clearly they didn't have any technology, but they dearly wanted us to think they had. And it's things like that that are really at the heart of the book, creating faked accounts and um, stories and data as a means to have us running around like headless chickens We've got more to come with Nick Redfern. It's all about flying saucers from the Kremlin. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Symptoms of ODD include independent thought, rampant creativity, and failure to submit to authority. But now there's a solution. The good people at Pilfer can help you with their time-release, once-daily capsule, Compliacin. Your child won't be able to form his own opinions, let alone express them. It maintains your child's ability to go to a state-run school and perform simple tasks around the house. You won't have to worry about parenting, and the school won't have to deal with your kid asking questions. Compliacin. You'll go from this. To this. Good morning, Mother. I love going to school. And this week, we're learning all about how the government is our federal family and they're here to help us. Compliacin. Talk to your school psychiatrist and... We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag... All sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. You know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no-obligation quote. 1-800-919-5435. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-919-5435. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-919-5435. 1-800-919-5435. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com, 818-984-6100, ShopSuperTea.com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Buying saucers from the Kremlin. Now, before we get started deep and dirty as to where this started, I assume you're aware of the stuff that James Carrion has done, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah. It kind of puts the reverse spin on it where, say, things like ghost rockets and such during World War II, at the end of World War II, were meant to spook the Russians. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I think this is like a perfect example of how UFOs, uh, as I point out, I should point out that in the book, you know, I make it very clear that in my view, there is a genuine UFO phenomenon, now, whether it's extraterrestrial, multidimensional, I don't know what it is, but I do believe there's a genuine phenomenon. But what I think, and what I've concluded, I should say, is that this real phenomenon has been used as a convenience tool, if you like, to spread fake data and and spread psychological warfare. And I think, uh, well, I don't think, uh, I know that both sides have done this, particularly at the height of the Cold War. You know, the, the Russians were doing it to us and we were doing it back to them. And even from the early years, you know, you can look at things like Roswell and make a good case that, 
you know, that somebody wanted this story to be spread and, and got out there. And I think, you know, that's an important angle. I mean, it's even like with the, in more recent times, when you had the um, government's uh, report on Roswell about the crash test dummies. Well, that, that story about crash test dummies instead of aliens, you know, is just bizarre. It's just ridiculous. You know, whatever they were, I, I don't believe they were aliens because I don't believe aliens crashed at Roswell. But I don't also believe they were crash test dummies. What I do think is the story was created to be so bizarre and so weird and so unlikely that the Russians would actually think, wow, there must be something to it because this cover-up about crash test dummies is ridiculous. And But I think that was a clever piece of psychological warfare on America's part to make it look as if they were sort of working hard to hide the real truth. And it made the Russians think, wow, there must be something to it, because if they're resorting to crash test dummies and stories like that, they've got to be hiding something. So, yeah, I think over the years, Roswell has acted as like a convenient incident, if you like, again, to sort of uh, manipulate the Russians into thinking, well, they have got something because they've changed their story, you know, so many times, you know. So, okay, well, so basically we're looking at the reverse of Rob Roswell here. Instead of possibly being a spaceship or some test yeah. aircraft, it was staged as were the ghost rockets, perhaps. Maybe that's why James Carrion is interested in it, staged to yeah. freak the Russians. Well, one of the interesting things that I talk about in the book is 1948, a guy named Bernard Newman wrote a book called The Flying Saucer, and it was a novel, came out in 48. And Newman was someone who had a lot of ties to British intelligence. And he wrote this novel in 47, and it was published in 48. And the theme of it is this sort of cabal of scientists get together and they fake three UFO crashes, one in Russia, one in the US, particularly in New Mexico, and the other one in the UK. And they also create pulverized alien bodies, which are autopsied. So basically, they create what you would call like a faked invasion. You know, there's no alien invasion. It's all fabricated by this scientific cabal. And it's very much like designed to combine each and every um, sort of population and country on the planet into a one-world situation. And it's all done by fabricating crashed UFO stories and, even, like I said, even creating bogus dead alien bodies, which are autopsied for the media. You know, and you think about that. This story was written in 1948. So I think Newman, who had, a, like I said, had a lot of ties to intelligence, knew something about this program to have bogus crashed UFO stories spread to sort of concern the Russians and, um, you know, have them wonder, wow, do they really, does America, you know, really have alien technology? And I think because Newman wrote this book so quickly after the Kenneth Arnold case, I mean, it's the whole thing was written and published in less than a year after Arnold. I think he had some inside material which may actually have paralleled you know what we started out with you know the idea of roswell being a you know a, uh, some sort of operation surrounding disinformation and psychological warfare could the russians be doing the same thing back then what's the sort of the working theory on this like did they set up their own fake crashes to say well look it's you know it's happening to us too or what do you oh, yeah. think the 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll give you a classic example of that. Um, through the Freedom Information Act, the, the, F, excuse me, the National Security Agency have, have uh, released a number of documents on UFOs going back to the early years of the NSA, which was, uh, was created in the early 1950s. Now, one of the files that the NSA have declassified talks about a quite famous alleged crashed UFO case from 1952 um, on the island of Spitsbergen, just off the coast of Norway. And the Spitsbergen 1952 UFO case is actually quite a well-known one. But what's particularly intriguing is that on the NSA's files on this particular story, one of the guys at the NSA has circled the, the section of about this particular case and in big capital letters has written the words plant now so in other words somebody um, within the NSA knew that this particular story coming out of Russia um, about the Spitsbergen UFO knew that this story was a plant and that that's actually presented in the now declassified files, the NSA considered the Spitsbergen story to be a Russian plant. And why it was so important was because it talked about the the Russians um, supposedly having found alien technology from the Spitsbergen craft. Now, you imagine that if the Russians created this story and it got back to, say, you know, generals in the Pentagon, that, oh, my God, the Russians have, you know, recovered a crashed UFO and they've, they're starting to understand alien technology and alien weaponry, we're going to be screwed. And so that's the sort of thing that was going on, creating totally bogus stories of dead aliens and fantastic technology as a means to try and convince the United States that the Russians had you know, alien technology that they were working hard to use against us in a, in a war. Now, as a practical matter, both the Americans and the Russians were trying to recover Nazi technology. Many of the scientists went to the different countries. Of course, people like Werner von Braun, that's where they came from. The major people who helped design the American space program. So the question I would also have here as we look into what the Russians did, do you think it's possible that the Germans were far more advanced in aircraft development than maybe we were led to believe? Was that maybe part well, of it? Well, I'm going to ask you to continue with that in our next segment. Flying Saucers from the Kremlin. Nick Redfern, more to come. You're in. The Pentacast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. 
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with John Hunt. A man armed with a rifle threw explosive devices at an immigration jail in Washington State, then was found dead after four police officers arrived and opened fire. The Tacoma Police Department said officers responded about 4 a.m. to the privately run Tacoma Northwest Detention Center, a U.S. Department of Homeland Security detention facility that holds migrants pending deportation proceedings. The detention center also held immigration-seeking parents separated from their children under Donald Trump's zero-tolerance policy, an effort meant to deter illegal immigration. The shooting took place about six hours after a peaceful rally in front of the detention center, police spokeswoman Loretta Cool said. She also said another rally was planned for later in the day, but it was to be held in a different area because of the investigation into the police shooting. Take us with you on your mobile device and listen anytime at usaradio.com. This is USA Radio News. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-985-1813 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-985-1813 now. Again, that's 800-985-1813. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
I used to, by the way, speak a little bit of Russian when I was very, very young. And it's not an easy language to learn as, you know, of course, they probably think American. English isn't such an easy language to learn either. Anyway, Nick Redfern, what is your perception about my crazy question there, which is, is it possible that there were real things going on there using German inventions that were blamed Uh, on UFOs? Well, the whole Nazi saucer thing is a very controversial area. One of the reasons being that there are certain people in ufology who, you know, I know for sure who are ultra right wing nut jobs who will do anything they can to sort of promote the Nazi saucer angle. Now, there's a lot of tales and accounts of Nazi saucers, but I personally have never seen any evidence of this. Now, what I have seen is evidence of the Nazis doing a lot of sort of high-tech rocket research and unusual aircraft. But this whole angle of flying saucers, you know, being flown around by the Nazis at 3,000 mile an hour or whatever... I just don't see any proof of that. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if some of these right-wing nutjobs in ufology may have promoted and propagated those stories. But, you know, in, in terms of what we got from the Nazis, I mean, a lot of it was rocketry. Now, some researchers have said the UFOs started to be seen not long after the, the paperclip scientists came over, which admittedly is true. But, you know, I think we have to be very careful because you're dealing with sensitive issues where what the last thing we want to do is to sort of champion the Nazis as, you know, the, the creators of advanced technology because that makes the entire Nazi you know, regime, you know, which was nothing but scum, You know, um, the last thing we need to do is to somehow, you know, promote them. Um, That's the last thing we knew uh, need to do. So, well, we know that the through Operation Paperclip, the Germans brought a lot to the U.S. because the U.S. quite understandably, you know, didn't want uh, the Russians to get on, you know, the the German scientists. But they actually did. You know, both sides managed to capture. You know, German scientists. And I guess for some of the people in this program, it was kind of like doing a deal with the devil, you know, like a Faustian pact. I mean, this was the end of the Second World War. You know, we've been fighting for our lives from the Germans and then we're expected to work alongside them. I mean, if that was me, I wouldn't have worked alongside them. If they were brought over, you know, I'd kick the crap out of them. You know, because they're Nazis, you know, Um, should we, I get it that they want to use the, you know, the technology to prevent the Russians from getting it, but they're Nazis, you know, they're scum. And and so I think I couldn't, you know, if my, my conscience wouldn't allow me to work alongside German scientists brought over here, I'd be like... There's just no way. <laughs> that's, that's pretty interesting. I've, I've actually got a, a story about, I actually worked for a former German officer who had come to Canada and uh, had gotten hired by our local city department in the electric system. And uh, right across the way in the room next door where they were working on the street lamps, there was a British guy who had also fought in the war. And I would go back and forth between the two departments just connected by a simple doorway and i would be talking to both of them about their experiences and and this is a bit of an aside but i found it really interesting in a number of instances what would happen is they'd go and set up a white flag out in the middle of the field and actually the the nazis and the 
British forces would get together. They'd have tea. They'd talk about the war. They'd say, this is stupid. Why are we here? And then they'd go back to the other side. And what would happen is the higher-ups would come out from both sides and put guns to their head and say, you start shooting at each other or else. Right. So, you know, that whole war is a whole lot more complicated than than simply, you know, good guys versus bad guys. Well, yeah, I think, you know, most wars, you know, there's more going on than we actually get to see. But, um, you know, there's no doubt, though, that in that sort of post-war era, there was a lot of weird stuff going on, you know, sort of high altitude experiments with people and monkeys, you know, being taken up into the sky and, you know, the Germans working on these all these different programs in New Mexico where a lot of the weirder UFO stuff took place. So, yeah, I think a lot of this, you know, does sort of relate to um, sort of a cover-up, if you like, of a great deal of... Um, I guess, down-to-earth technology versus what some people might suggest is alien technology. But like I said, I think when you're dealing with things like the Nazis and Werner von Braun, who in my in my view should never have been, you know, uh, given the position that he, that he was, you know, within NASA, what should have happened in my view, he should have been interrogated, given all the information that he could possibly could, and then put in jail, you know. Yeah, well, it I may also be here. Let me just throw the devil's advocate thing here. It may be that he was vetted and found that he didn't necessarily support the Nazi movement, but he had to work for them. It's either that or, yeah. you know. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good know, point. I mean, mean lots of people like just following orders, that kind well, of thing. Well, no conscription. I mean, they if you didn't sign up, you just you ended up in the concentration camp along with the rest of them. You know, there's a lot of people that really didn't like having to go along with that over there you know there's but the- i don't care about that i care about the fact that the nazis nearly destroyed us and so you know um i'm glad they i'm glad the nazis were destroyed i'm glad that you know they they came to an end and and the whole thing crumbled i can't think of anything better you know Let's get back to the Russians, but I want to ask you one question that might relate to it obviously there was a lot of communist paranoia in the 50s Okay, and McCarthy hearings and all that. The FBI evidently had a big interest in the UFO contactees Mm. in America, like Adamski. Why would they care about what most people consider to be some loonies going around claiming they met E.T. in the desert? Well, this is one of the interesting parts that I talk about quite extensively in the book, namely that the FBI had a deep interest in many of the early people in ufology, not because they were particularly over-intrigued by the cases and or the alleged cases themselves, but the effect that the stories were having on people. Now, I'll, I'll give you an, ex- um, an example of what I mean by that. Now, George Adamski, I'm sure all you, you, your listeners know who he is, or was, I should say, but if not, he was one of the early contactees who claimed contact with very human-looking aliens that became known as the Space Brothers. Now, what happened was that um, Adamski, in the early 50s, uh, started to develop a large following of people. You know, he'd actually been involved in sort of paranormal and metaphysical stuff going back to the 1930s, but certainly took off 
big time in the early 50s. Now, his first book, Flying Saucers Have Landed, uh, co-written with uh, Desmond Leslie, that book in its first printing, um, sold more than 100,000 copies of that book. Now, a lot of people don't know that in his lectures, um, Adam Adamski talked about how the, the future was communism and that the Russian way of life was the one that we should strive to follow, uh, and so on. Now, the FBI, had it been the case that Adamski was just talking to, you know, five people and somebody's pet dog in the back room of a library on a Sunday afternoon, no one would care. I don't think the FBI would care. But they did care when they realized that Adamski was developing this huge following of people and, and were listening to what he had to say about communism and how communism is the way of the future and how the Russians could actually destroy us. That's what he actually said in a number of his lectures. Now, Let's I pursue George Adamski further and the possible okay. Russian connection. More to come. Flying saucers from the Kremlin. There's more involved than you think, as you're seeing, with Nick Redfern and Gene and Randall. You're in the podcast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. 
I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a treasure. Nick Redfern, when he says the Paracast, all bets are off. He owns it. Nick, okay, we were talking about George Adamski, what he mentioned during his lectures. Yeah, Adamski um, sort of made no bones about it. You know, he said Russia will rule the world, communism is the way of the future, and Russia right now, we're talking about like the 50s, he said right now that the Russians can destroy us, and then he said there'll be a thousand years of peace. Now, bear in mind that Adamski's book, his first book, you know, sold more than 100,000 copies. The FBI was deeply worried, not so much about whether or not there were real aliens or not. They were very concerned about the mindset of thousands of people hanging on every word of this man who was promoting communism. And I mean, to give you an idea of the extent to which Adamski was watched, back in the late uh, 1970s, um, the FBI released like a trickle of documents on Adamski surveillance files. And there was about 80 pages about 10 years ago, it had been up to about 200 pages. As of today, the number of FBI surveillance files on Adamski that are now in the public domain, thanks to the Freedom Information Act, uh, amount to just under 500 pages on Adamski alone, never mind all the other contactees who were telling similar stories about, you know, we need to lay down our nukes and live in peace with the Russians. So you had this very odd situation where communism and the Russian way of life were being promoted within the United States by U.S. citizens, which was worrying the FBI. But on top of that, a number of the contactees were actually contacted by Russian operatives 
to try and amplify these stories even more. One of them, for example, was um, Orfeo Angelucci, one of the early contactees. He actually went on the record and wrote about how, uh, when he was doing a series of lectures on the East Coast of the US in the 1950s, he was approached by what he said was a group of men with what was clearly like an Eastern Europe or Russian accent, and they wanted him to slant his lectures, as he said himself, along the party line. Angelucci was someone who was a very sort of um, weak kind of character and sure of himself, not much self-esteem, and he freaked out and went to the FBI, and they opened a file on him, which freaked him out even more. But he eventually realized that the FBI didn't have any beef with him because he actually ran to the FBI and told them, you know, that these Russians or East Europeans, whatever they are, are trying to get me to slant these stories around communism, which is not what I want to do. I want to just talk about my encounters and talk about the books. And so in that sense, you know, he wasn't in any trouble, but his case is a perfect example of how Russian operatives actually working in the U.S. approached approached um, some of the contactees like Angelucci and and tried to convince them to spread the word, so to speak, but do it under sort of a red communism belief system. You know, I wanted to ask you also about Howard Menger. Did you cover him at all? Yeah, I did. I mean, Menger's story was an interesting one because, again, he was one of the typical contactees, you know, with meeting human-looking aliens and hot space women and things like this. And um, But what's interesting is that at one point, Mendra actually came forward and admitted and said that um, he was actually used or approached by the U.S. military to try and spread these stories. So, in other words, I think the U.S. military didn't care whether Menger was telling the truth or not. All they wanted him to do was to do exactly what the Russians were doing, was to try and present a a non-communism approach to the Russians, you know, to try and convince the Russian people that the Western way of life was a good one. But, uh, but yeah, Menger was someone who admitted somewhat shyly or quietly that he'd been approached and, and had agreed to, um, you know, work on behalf of Uncle Sam to spread pro-Western stories in relation to UFOs. Well, what's really kind of interesting about those two when we go back to touching on the uh, the Nazi thing as well, is that Adamski and Menger were both claiming to have some sort of contact with the so-called Nordics, the blonde-haired, light-skinned Scandinavians, right? Which kinds of fit, fit in with the whole master race thing. Well, yeah. I mean, um, the late uh, Colin Bennett, who wrote a really good book, on Adamski, I forget what it was called now. Oh, it was called um, Looking for Orthon, Orthon being the uh, the alien that Adamski claimed he met. Now, what's particularly intriguing is that, you know, when, when you look into, um, into his book, into Bennett's book, you find a lot of information as to how, as, as, as well as sort of promoting communism, there was no doubt, as Colin Bennett noted, 
that Adamski certainly had a few Nazi-like overtones, you know, sort of, again, this sort of perfect blonde-haired, blue-eyed master race, you know, telling us how we need to live because they knew better than we did, you know. And when you look at his story, I mean... It's clear. It's it's right there in front of you, you know, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, master race kind of thing, and the rest of you don't know what you're doing and you better listen to us. So, yeah, there's a lot of disturbing things in in those early years of, you know, the, the contactee movement, which kind of push things down, you know, a very sort of extremist-type avenue. I find this really fascinating, and uh, we got to talk some more about that. That's also where the, we sort of see the first of the eco uh, aliens. They're talking about how we're messing up the environment, and we need to have more world peace. So you'd think that two countries that are you know going you know going after each other in a cold war, the message is you know, take better care of the planet and try and get along. So that, that's kind of almost completely opposite from what we might expect if you're. If you're looking at sparring counterculture spy versus spy stuff. Well, yeah, and I think you know, one of the, uh, I guess that's what's the problems, but one of the issues is, you know, both sides were doing this, both sides were sort of creating fake stories and seeding, you know, bogus tales, and it really does become kind of complicating a time, you know, um, in terms of trying to figure which is the truth and which are the bogus stories and what's the agenda and whose agenda is which, you know, it's, it's very much, um, you know, both sides just trying to, you know, have one upmanship over the other with, with you know, with, with the latest and the newest story. And, and then the other side's got to come up with something else, you know. We definitely want yeah. to pick up on them. This is just more and more fascinating as we cover it. But, you know, we're looking here at the early contactees, the ones in the 50s, Amengers, Angelucci, Adamski. Did they at all get involved in any later contactees, the Russians? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a whole chapter in the book on the Aetherius Society, which, again, for people who don't know, uh, was created in the 1950s by an Englishman named George King. And it's very much sort of a, a contactee-driven organization, which is still around today. And it has its headquarters now in California, in Los Angeles. And um, I got through the Freedom of Information Act, the British government surveillance files on the Ethereum Society, which runs to about 80 pages. And what happened was that an arm of the British police force called Special Branch, which handles like um, terrorism and intelligence uh, operations for the police, Special Branch opened a file on the Ethereum Society in the late 50s and which went which was still open through the mid-50s, excuse me, the mid-60s. And the reason why Special Branch opened this surveillance file on the Ethereum Society was because in the late 50s, the Ethereum Society, when it was still under George King, um, basically said that we need to lay down our atomic weapons and find a way to live alongside the Russians in peace. Now, Special Branch, that really sort of opened their eyes because the Ethereum Society had a lot of followers, a lot of members, and they would regularly talk about their views on atomic weapons in the streets of London. 
And um, and so Special Branch was concerned, as the FBI was with Adamski, that people would be influenced by the Ethereum Society because of this UFO angle and laying down atomic weapons. Let's get into the story of George King and such. I remember him being on the Long John Nebel show. Lo, those many years ago. How old I must be. Flying saucers from the Kremlin. I'm not doing a bad Russian accent. Forget about it. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-506-6740. 800-506-6740. That's 800-506-6740. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I have to say in all fairness here, now people are going to question me. My mom's family came from Russia. My wife's family, grandparents, just like my grandparents, came from Russia. But that has nothing to do with it. Nick Redfern, please continue. Well, so what happened? You had Special Branch, this arm of the British police force, an intelligence arm of the British police force, looking secretly into the activities of the Ethereum Society. Now, 
What happened was that in the wake of all this, when the, the theory society was saying, you know, we need to get rid of our nukes, etc., etc., the special branch agents, as the files show, would sit in the audience at uh, the theory society lectures and just make notes as to what was being said and then prepare reports for their superior officers and so on. Now, what's particularly intriguing is that Consider the time frame, sort of late 50s, early 60s. There was a lot of concern in the UK at that time that if there was a nuclear war between Russia and America, that the UK would inevitably get dragged in and we'd all just get wiped out, you know, just fried and, you know, vaporized, which would have happened, you know. But what's particularly intriguing is that because the British public was so worried about this, in the early 60s, there was what was known as the Aldermaston Walks. Now, Aldermaston, this small village in the south of England, where, which was close to one of the atomic energy facilities in the UK, um, they started to create these demonstrations through, from London to this little village. Literally, at one point, the figures of the people who sort of stood up and said, you know, we need to get rid of our nukes and li live alongside the Russians was in excess of 100,000. That's how many people were demonstrating in relation to these sort of older Maston walks, as they called them. And so you had like 100,000 people marching on the atomic energy facilities. Now, what we know uh, thanks to MI5, which is the British equivalent of the FBI, they found out that these Aldermaston walks, as they called them, had actually been infiltrated by KGP professionals. In other words, people who had been smuggled into the UK from Russia and who were essentially uh, passing themselves off of British citizens, but actually whipping up all the controversy, saying, yes, we need to get rid of our nukes and so on. But they were actually KGB assets. We know that, again, through the Freedom Information Act. And so what you have is the Ethereum Society uh, actually getting on board with these marches and demonstrating about nuclear weapons and MI5 realizing that um, the whole situation was being orchestrated by the Russians to try and cause the British people to turn away from, you know, nuclear weapons. The fact that the Ethereum Society were tied to this as well led to even further surveillance and investigation by special branch on the Ethereum Society. And as I said, it went on for about six years. Did you come upon anything that indicates that there's, there's was a sort of related kind of mythological society around the same time called the Vril Society that was remarkably similar, but nobody's ever seemed to find any actual members. Were they connected at all, do you think? I honestly don't know of any particular connection. Most of the early contactees and these early, you know, groups that were were sort of subjected to surveillance. They're sort of cultish type groups. Many of them were watched. I mean, for example, the Heaven's Gate group, the FBI has declassified its files on that. Those files run to about 400 pages. Adamski's file was around about 500. George Van Tassel, one of the early contactees, his FBI file is about 300 pages. Albert Bender, early contactee, who, you know, who started the whole Men in Black mystery. His FBI file's about 70 pages long. Uh, George Hunt Williamson, his file's about 40 pages long. 
And I wanted to stop there with George Hunt Williamson because he was a pretty peculiar character too, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, he was. Now, one of the main reasons why the FBI watched Williamson was because he actually went over to Mexico on a number of occasions and smuggled back into the U.S. ancient Mexican artifacts and uh, things like that. And he got into major problems with that. But most of them were watched because of this ability of the contactee movement to affect the mindset of the population and to push it down this um, extremist left-wing communist angle. But yeah, a lot of these cultic, you know, cultish groups were clearly watched very, very closely. And um, I'd be very surprised if um, most of the groups were watched. I mean, for example, I was able to get parts of my file through the Freedom of Information Act, which actually talked about how I'd written this, my first book called A Covert Agenda, was focused on all the released declassified UFO files from the British Ministry of Defence. There was about seven or eight pages of material talking about how I'd written this book and I'd used the government files and, and they were, I wouldn't say they were concerned, but they were pointing out that I'd been using official files and um, spending time at the National Archives and things like this. So, you know, I think to a degree, most people in ufology have been watched, watched at some point or other, not because you're necessarily a threat to national security, but I think for governments, anyone who asks a question about government is perceived as a troublesome troublemaker, you know, but that really is what it comes down to. You ask questions about government, then the government will open a file on you to find out why you're asking questions. Yeah, I think your next one should be called they weren't just paranoid because, you know, you know, how did that, how did that make you feel, Nick? Well, I mean, so I've got pretty thick skin, you know, I'm not someone who sort of curls up in the corner, shaking and worried that the, the British Ministry of Defense's intelligence agencies are watching me. I mean, if you're going to look for answers, well, you've got to be prepared for certain things that can happen. It's no good just sort of, sort of skitting around the outskirts of these subjects you know you've got to dig deep and and if by digging deep it causes a few problems here and there well that's that's part of it no one said this was going to be easy you know to find the answers to all of this and there's no point just going so far and stopping because you're worried what somebody might say or if somebody's listening on the phone you know you've got to get the answers you know this is sort of like the equivalent of a investigative journalism, you know, what's the point of stopping halfway through? But I've had a lot of weird stuff over the years, which has made it very clear, you know, that things like phone surveillance and uh, things like this, there's no doubt that's happened, but you, you have to work through it, you know. So one of the questions that your book asks is what the connection is between the KGB and the MJ-12 documents. Now, mm. you know, we've had uh, our uh, weekly updater on the after the paracast he actually got a copy of some of the mj12 documents from a separate source at one time and he's got a pretty interesting story about it so you know what have you been able to uncover about that well yeah i mean the whole issue of mj12 for people who don't know and i'm sure there's hardly anyone that doesn't know it's alleged to be this sort of top secret think tank slash cabal within the governments that sits on the most guarded national security issues surrounding ufos like for example 
crashed UFOs, dead aliens, alien autopsies, that kind of thing. And some people believe in the existence of Majestic 12 or MJ-12 as it's known. Other people think, you know, it's bogus, created by UFO researchers. Others think it's created as disinformation to, to have everybody you know, chasing around this story when the real story gets hidden. Whatever the truth of the matter is, there's absolutely no doubt that the CIA in the latter part of the 1980s was very concerned about the MJ-12 documents. Now, I have to say, and I have to admit, that the CIA did not have proof that the Russians created the MJ-12 documents, the original ones, but they did suspect that they'd made them. And the reason why was because the CIA learned to their concern about them. Let's uh, let's do our break here. We'll continue with that. More to come with Gene, Randall, and Nick. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. 
If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call. 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we continue about the MJ-12 documents here. I just want to drop a conventional wisdom as we continue, and that is Rick Doty was partly responsible. Or William Moore. But the Russians? Well, it depends which way you look at it. I mean, people have talked about Moore and Doty, you know, being involved with the MJ-12 documents and, you know, knowledge of it. But the CIA were not going down that path. They were going down like the Russians did it. Now, that's not to say they weren't watching people like Moore and Stan Friedman and Jamie Chandra and people like that. doesn't mean they weren't watching them. I'm sure they were. But the CIA was definitely not going down the path that, you know, these were fabricated by UFO researchers. Now, what did happen, as I said, just um, what we said before the break, the CIA learned that there were a number of people in the U.S. working in sort of defense, Department of Defense contractor programs, working on things like the stealth bomber and the stealth fighter four or five or ten years before, you know, they were actually released to the public. Now, one of the big concerns the CIA was, was that a number of these people working on DOD programs like the Stealth Fighter, it turned out that a number of them had a deep interest in UFOs. Now, in terms of the files where it's got the people's names, they're actually deleted. But it talks about how the CIA was concerned that because these people were working on classified programs, they learned that Soviet assets had approached some of these DOD people working on programs and basically said to them, look, if you give us information, this is the Russians talking now, if you give us information on the stealth fights from the stealth bomber that the U.S. government's developing now. If you give us information on that, we'll give you highly classified information 
on what your government knows about UFOs in return. It was like sort of, you give us something, we'll give you something. And so the, the theory that the CIA had was that if the DOD people working on the stealth fighter and stealth bomber programs would give the Russians certain information, in return, the Russians would give them highly classified material on what the US government really knows about UFOs like Roswell and so on. And the CIA came to believe that the Russians created the MJ-12 documents, totally bogus, but giving people what they wanted. So in other words, the Russians would get highly classified information on the stealth fighter and the stealth bomber, but in return, the people in the DOD who were smuggling this material out, in return, all they would get would be bogus MJ-12 documents from KGB disinformation artists. You know, I don't know if that's true, but what I do know for sure is that that is the theory that the Americans had, namely that the Russians had created those documents. It's kind of like a dangling carrot. You know, you give us something, we'll give you something. The Russians would get something genuine and the people in the US, the people working on these programs, would just get sort of sci-fi style fake documents, which is an interesting theory, you know. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good theory. It's pretty interesting. One I'd never really considered before, although... You know, I can't imagine how anyone actually working on one of those highly classified projects like the stealth fighter would take that seriously. The big concern of the CIA was that that's what could happen in the same time frame that this the MJ-12 document surfaced. That's when the CIA started to wonder, are these re documents actually really dangling carrots designed to, you know, get someone on the inside in the US to feed us something. Now, as I said, it, it was a theory on their part. As theories go as to who created the MJ-12 documents, I mean, it's not a bad one. It actually has a lot of common sense attached to it, really. Yeah, got to agree with that for sure. Definitely. That's a, that's a good one, Nick. I had mm. no idea, really, there was that sort of a direct connection back and forth. It's really interesting to hear that how those people had been approached by actually the Russians with that type of an offer. Very interesting. It makes you wonder if they really do have something that we don't have. Have you run across anything like that? Like, well, they're, you know, the Russians do have their own UFO program. They do take it seriously. I think, you know, just like us in the UK and the French and numerous other countries, Brazil, particularly in the 50s and 60s, you know, many countries have opened UFO programs because at various times, you know, they've all experienced strange things in their airspace. So, so I, you know, it's important for me to note, I don't doubt at all that there is a genuine UFO phenomenon. And the reason why, or one of the reasons, my dad was a radar mechanic in the British Royal Air Force and was involved in several UFO incidents involving things performing all sorts of almost impossible maneuvers. So there's no doubt in my mind there's a real phenomenon. But the thrust of the book is how that real phenomenon has been used as a means uh, and an end 
to create fear. I mean, that was the whole one of the whole concerns of the CIA's Robertson panel in the 50s. They were less concerned about whether or not UFOs were real. They were far more concerned about how the Russians could flood emergency communication channels in the US by spreading stories of alien invasions. And they have so many people in states of hysteria that potentially the Russians could launch a, a sneak attack. You know, whether or not that would actually have happened is kind of irrelevant, but that is the fear that the Robertson panel created by the CIA, that's what they were worried about, that, um, you know, hysteria would sort of provoke a situation like a, like a sneak attack. Well, that's really interesting because I've always kind of wondered, you know, why would the Robertson panel do that? You know, go so far as to recommend you know, discrediting our, our own pilots. But when you think about it in the terms of this backdrop of this sort of Cold War spy versus spy stuff, yeah, you know, it makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, and I mean, another example, I used the Freedom of Information Act to get material from Australia as well. And the Australian intelligence service, they were up to their neck in the 50s through the 70s in relation to keeping watch and monitoring some of the Australian UFO researchers and groups. A number of them, these people watched very, very closely. One was a man named Stan Sears, who started one of the early Australian UFO groups. I was able to get his Australian surveillance file, and he talks all about his history and his work and how many members, you know, came along for the Sunday afternoon meetings. And actually, you know, these guys were sitting in the audience, you know, just making notes and sort of really strange stuff. I mean, anyone who had any kind of connection at that time in Australia who was sort of involved in UFOs and had sort of an alternative lifestyle, you know, with like connections to the Russians or they were vegetarians. Yeah, those yeah. vegetarians yeah. are really, you know, they're strange. <laughs> I mean, there's also, in one of the files... More to come with Jean, Randall and Nick. You're in. The listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. 
Bluehost.com. USA Radio News with John Hunt. We've got another mayor speaking out against the upcoming ice raids. USA's Rick Vincent has more. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says city officials there will not help with the ice immigration raids, she tells CNN. I think the thing that I am obligated to do is to speak our values. Our values are not about terrorizing. It's not about demonizing individuals who are productive members of our community. Other mayors have made similar comments. Violent clashes broke out after several thousand people marched in Hong Kong against traders from mainland China in what is fast becoming a summer of unrest in that territory. After issuing a warning, police moved to disperse the crowd of mostly young protesters who say peaceful demonstrations have failed to bring about any change. Police used pepper spray and batons. In panic scenes, fleeing protesters scrambled over each other, some falling to the ground. This is USA Radio News. Money! 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 Money. You gotta have it. When you need it, what do you do? If you don't have a rich uncle, call LendingTree. With us, hundreds of banks compete for your business, so you'll get loans with competitive interest rates, and in some cases, with no closing costs. So here's the deal. If you need money, call us. Do you want to refinance your current loan? Are you 62 or older and interested in a reverse mortgage? Then call LendingTree now. 800-634-1315. 800-634-1315. We've closed over $250 billion in loans. We know what we're doing and can help you. Call right now for a free quote. 800-634-1315. That's 800-634-1315. NMLS number 1136. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. This is Jerome Clark, author of UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you now that a strange phenomenon occurred on our previous segment of this episode, where Nick Redfern got caught in a loop. In a loop. That's what I did. That's what I do. It would seem to me that, for the most part, people really interested in UFOs were thought of as a small minority, although obviously the percentages are higher than that. The real UFO field of people, hardcore people interested in the subject, 
mm. the tens of thousands, maybe. Why would they be so important that the Russians well, would care? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, there's four, five, ten thousand or whatever alone. They aren't necessarily a threat because in ufology, we, we tend to speak to each other. You know, it's like um, speaking to the converted, so to speak, you know, unless the mainstream media picks things up like they did, you know, a couple of years ago with the, the government's secret UFO program. That doesn't happen very often. For the most part, we talk to each other. But it's like with George Adamski. George Adamski developed a following of like 100,000, you know, in relation to his books. So, you know, he himself wasn't necessarily the threat. It was what was provoked by his statements and writing his books. So I think 10,000 people in ufology, no, they're not going to cause a threat to national security. But if that 10,000 can provoke another 100,000 to follow them, then that's when it becomes troublesome from the perspective of government agencies. Like with the Australian stuff I mentioned before the break, back then, and maybe even now, there was this deep distrust of anyone whose life was a little bit not necessarily just like mom and dad, you know, and the pet dog and the two kids, you know, and the white picket fence. They were looking at ufologists who, as I said, you know, were vegetarians, who ran swinging clubs, and they were just looking at these people as, as someone who was living a lifestyle that, you know, the guys in government just did not approve of. And the fact that they were also bringing communism into it as well, it really sort of, you know, raised the blood pressures of people in, in government. This takes McCarthyism to like a whole new level. I mean, you know, people into UFOs that, you know, this sort of subculture, but the ones who are vegetarians and into mm. swinging too, they'd be a real uh, interesting get together with the black hats and the suits. And, <laughs> you know, this is, it's actually, it's amazing. How do you dig this stuff up, Nick? Well, I tell you one of the interesting ways of going about this, you know, if you, if you apply for UFO material, you'll get a lot of material from like the FBI, the CIA, documents on UFOs. But what I did with this book was not to apply for, for files on UFOs, but the people in the subject. And like I said, the, the files that I got from Australia, which was about 150 pages, was not detailing UFO events or incidents, it was actually the files on the people in ufology. The people in ufology is sort of more the, the theme of this book. You know, it's not about alien encounters. It's about how people were used and manipulated by the Russians and intelligence agencies were concerned about what these people were doing. So that's how I got a lot of the material, was not by actually getting data on UFO events, but looking into the lives of these people who the intelligence agencies thought were working for the Russians and were trying to spread vegetarianism and how good it would be, you know, to go swinging on a Saturday night or whatever. You know, those stories, in a strange way, are integral to this UFO story in the book. Nick, I thought it was politicians who goes swinging on a Saturday night, at least before we have these sexually transmitted diseases. But it does demonstrate how there is this angle of if you're not quite 
what you know officialdom sees as normal you're a threat in some ways whether a minor threat or something more but you're, you're a threat you know and you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that well i mean if i'd gone through life like that don't do this and don't do that i would never have done nothing you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah well actually this is a really interesting angle that you've taken and uh especially with relevance to ufology as a cultural phenomena which guests like uh, dr paul kingsbury who we've had on before i mean this would be right up his alley so you know i hope he's listening and grabs a hold of this book too it leads right into this question from our forum by marduk and this is what you were just saying is a really good tip. Don't necessarily look at the phenomena itself. Look at the people involved. Have you got any other tips and tricks? And how is it, he asks, that you managed to produce so many books? Well, I mean, in terms of, you know, getting information, I mean, with the book, I did a lot of research, like, with the, for example, with the Australian stuff. I got a lot of early Australian, like, newsletters and magazines on UFOs and, and learned some of the early people who were involved, like Stan Sears. And so then I applied for information that might be held by Australian security services on people like Stan Sears. And, and sure enough, there was a file on him. Um, there was another one, Colin Norris, who was actually active until about 15, 20 years ago. And uh, I got his part of his file. And they, they actually talked about how, in, in his file, as to how um, there were some concerns because he lectured at like a, something called like the Young Socialist Society of Australia or something like that. So, you know, you've got that kind of angle, and then you just you just dig further. You know, it's just a case of digging further. But in terms of, was the other part, how do I do what I do? Was that it? Right, yeah, you're just so prolific. You're like the Stephen well, King of, of paranormal. <laughs> uh, well, well, this kind of ties in what we said off air before we started the show. I mean, to give you an idea of how I do what I do, I very much sort of keep things to like a nine to five situation. Now, you know, most, well, no, no, that's wrong. Not, not most people, a lot of people still work nine to five. Now, what I do, I work nine to five, Monday to Friday, writing books. Now, I sort of get up at seven, uh, have breakfast, I, um, you know, sort of answer Facebook and things like that and watch a few stupid videos of talking dogs or whatever, you know. Anyway, you know, I just have a regular start to the day, but nine to five, Monday to Friday, I write the books. You know, I just open Word and I just start cranking it out in the book. Discipline. So I I How do you manage day after day, year after year to do this? Well, no, because I mean, all the I distractions. Like I mean, I'll go, I'll explain how I do it. I work nine to, like a lot of people, like millions of people all around the world, I work nine to five, Monday to Friday, and I write in that nine to five period, Monday to Friday, the articles I'm working on or the books I'm working on. I understand, but you're working well, at home. You're working at home with well, your laptop. Yeah but, yeah, but just let me let me finish. And sure. then what I do, when five o'clock comes around, I put the laptop in sleep mode, and I do not touch that laptop until nine o'clock the next morning. Now, on Friday afternoons, uh, I finish at four, and what I do is, again, I you know finish where I am at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, put the uh, laptop in sleep mode. I do not touch that touch that laptop until nine o'clock Monday morning. So that's Friday afternoon to Monday morning. For me, 
evenings and weekends uh, for having a good, fun time, whether it's like taking a girlfriend out, going out with a bunch of friends to watch a soccer game, um, go and see a band or whatever. And I totally switch off every afternoon um, through to the next day. And I totally, and I don't do any work for after four o'clock Friday afternoon till nine o'clock Monday morning. And for me, that allows me to have, you know, a fun weekend and fun nights and having a good time and then I get back to it in the week and that's but I but, but the important thing is I do work nine to five Monday to Friday and I do get my head down but you know it's like I work hard and I party hard you know what I mean we well, got, got a more to come with Nick and Jean and Randall you're in the Paracast <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. 
When you have a pain in the neck, Ugh. a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support. Support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Well, I was interested in, as you were talking about your work routine, you set up as a normal job. You go to work by going wherever you have your notebook installed. You do your work. Didn't ask you to take a lunch break or not. It doesn't matter. The key here is... Obviously, if you're in office, there's that pressure. At home, the discipline of saying, nine to five, I'm going to sit down there. I'm going to do work. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to get my work done. And then to celebrate after five o'clock, I can you know, have a nice dinner, whatever. And that, I think, you have to be commended for because I've written a number of books myself. And to get myself in the mindset to sit there and crank it out like I did with computer books. I really, really had to psych myself to get myself in that mood. Well, you know, when I say I do it like a job, nine to five, I wouldn't want people to think it's just a job because it isn't. You know, if if, it, if I didn't have that passion and energy and excitement and enthusiasm for it all, I wouldn't be doing it anymore. You know, I still have that enthusiasm for the subject that I did when I was like a kid, you know, when I first got into it. I've never lost that enthusiasm. I keep, like, job hours but i don't consider it as just a job you know like a bland thing i've got to do or whatever to pay for the electric bill you know if i was if i ever got to that stage i'd walk away from it you know the way i look at it is if you don't if you're working from home you're self-employed and you don't get down and do the work inevitably you fall behind and deadlines sort of screw up and everything else and so in that sense I learned pretty quickly, if you're going to work from home and you work self-employed, you have to be disciplined. But that means discipline when you're working, and then afterwards, do whatever you want, you know, and just switch off. And, and I'm good at working hard, and I'm good at switching off hard as well, you know. So. Well, you would have to be, I, I would think, to be able to keep up with the kind of 
creative output that you've got. One of the things I really love about your your books, Nick, and you know, I've some of the earliest ones I got in the field were from you, and I would always enjoy them because they always seem fresh and they always seem interesting, and they're not nine hundred pages. You know, you can get through them, and you and it leaves you with something to think about. Like, sure, there's skeptics out there that are going to say this and that, but you know what? It, always leave you with something to think about. I really like them, so I'm looking forward to this one, too. Uh, Well, thanks. I mean, I try and, with every book, come up with something new. If you go looking, there is actually a lot of material that is new and data and information. Sometimes you just have to dig deep for it, whether it's UFOs or it's like my other interests, you know, Bigfoot and cryptozoology. You just have to go digging. If you don't mind, how did you get your break to get in? Because, you know, I imagine there's other people that try writing, but how did you get your in? Like, where where did you get your first one really published and get off to the races? And how did that go for you? Oh, well, that sort of began when I was about 18. I wasn't actually the, you know, the, the best student at school. I was kind of, um, <laughs> you remember uh, Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Regiment High? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was kind of me. <laughs> you know, I was not a great student. You know, being my friend's school was just for messing around, you know. And I, I just wasn't particularly good at school, you know, college, university. I, it was just a waste of time for me. I just didn't I didn't get it. But it was just through like a act of fate, I suppose. The little town that I was living in at the time, a company was setting up a magazine in the area, kind of like a, a What's On magazine, you know, like local celebrities and bands playing and um, different things like that. I left school, I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? I saw this and I thought, well, you know, that kind of sounds like a cool job, you know, working on an entertainment magazine. And I was straight out of school and they said, well, you know, if you were willing to learn and try, we'll give you a chance. And, and admittedly, before that, you know, I did write little stories as a kid. I'm sure, look, if I look back now, if, I, if they even existed anymore, which I'm sure they don't, but I'm sure they were awful, you know, but I did write little stories here and there. And I, I always loved to read as well. I wasn't a great student, but I did love to read books. And so I worked for this magazine called Zero about 18 months. And I did a lot of reviews of like um, bands and local celebrities, that kind of thing. And uh, I did that for a few years. Uh, that dried up for a while. I had about three years of just regular jobs, working in a gas station, forklift driver, van driver, truck driver, all sorts of different things. I got to about 26 and I thought, well, you know, I'd really like to try and make it as a writer. And I I basically said, I'm going to try and write a book. I've got about enough money to last for about six months. And if I can make it in that six month period and sell a book, I'll try and keep doing it. And if I can't do it, I'll go back to driving forklifts. And what happened was that I wrote one book and a synopsis for a second and sent it to various publishers. And amazingly enough, Simon and Shuster in London, England, said, we really like this. We like your writing style. And we would like to give you a two-book deal. We saw it about 26, something like that. Nice. That's like getting a record deal for a musician. Cool. That's that's how it was, you know. And I mean, um, I don't consider it a job. It's a passion. But if you're going to turn your passion into a career, you know, you have to be 
you know, you have to have your head on your shoulders and, and know what you're doing. And, you know, so I have an agent to handle all my books and, um, and also, you know, the legal issues of contracts and all that kind of thing. You know, I, have, I make sure that's all taken care of. It's a passion, but it's a job as well. It's a profession and you need to, you know, have somebody handling all your papers for you, your legal documents. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm somebody like a laid back guy, but when it comes to work, you have to sort of be on, on top of things, you know. Well, it sounds like you say it's, this is something that you were doing from the time you were actually a child because you enjoyed it and it just grew into your lifelong profession. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, for me, it's kind of like being in a band, you know, which I've done also. I mean, music's my other big interest. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you see your favorite band and um, they're just going through the motions on stage. You know, you can see they're clearly bored stiff. You know what I mean? They're just not <laughs> oh, yeah. interested anymore. If I ever got to that stage, I really would quit and do something else, you know, but thankfully, like I said, I'm still fired up by what I do, but you, you know, you, you need to sort of, if you're going to do this, you have to be sort of, um, you know, straight ahead with it. You need to, um, to do the work, to keep to your timeframes, to make sure, you know, you've got work coming in six months or a year later down the line, you know, where it's it's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, working as a roofer or a plumber or whatever. You know, if you're self-employed, you you have to do what you have to do to keep your head up. Um, yeah, it's a livelihood. And it's just, it's a skill. Well, it is a livelihood, but it's a livelihood because it's something I really enjoy. I, I genuinely would not want people, I would hate it if people thought I just did it because for money or for the job. I don't, you know, I mean, I get up every day thinking, wow, you know, what? what's the latest thing? You know, I, as long as I have that enthusiasm and that kind of sense of, wow, you know, this is a new case to look into. As long as I still have that, which I still do, you know, I, it doesn't feel like just some, like a job. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, like a, well, I'm just doing I, this to yeah. save Bill. You know, I know exactly um, what you're saying. Yeah. And you're, you're, that's what makes you such a great guest too, because you always come across as being genuinely interested and enthusiastic about your work, which is really cool. I do realize that. Um and I think as long as you can get the information out to people and prevent and and you know present them with new material, new data, and bring something new, I think that's you know that that's important. Um, you know you don't want to just sort of go over old ground. I mean, people often say to me, "Why don't you write a book on like remote?" View? Somebody actually the other day said, "Why don't you write a book on remote viewing?" And I said, "Well." There's not really much I could write about that hasn't been said about remote viewing, you know. So what's the point of me doing it? Yeah, I could probably get a book deal, but I'd feel bad about it because I would just be paraphrasing 10 earlier books or something, you know what I mean? So. Basically, what you're saying here is you've got to have some material. You have to have interest in the subject. You don't just write to write. And that's a very important well, thing. I want I to get mean, to, I got to do a break I here on I it. I never say that. Yeah, I can't. I can never say there aren't people out there who just do it for the money. Um, you know, I would hope there aren't, and I would hope they aren't well-known people. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there are some people who just sort of, um, you know, just almost, uh, you know, totally unemotionally just do it because 
you know, it pays the electric bill or the, you know, the, the TV bill or whatever. I'll tell you, God, these days things are so expensive. You have to write a lot of books to do that. Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The reason I wanted to move off how you do it, although I'm quite impressed because I've been in a situation where I was turning out several books a year about computing and consumer electronics, and I knew what it took to do that and turn out articles, reviews for consumer electronics magazines, for CNET, etc. Don't do that now, but... I understand the vibe. Where I it's think going I there. got yeah, it. I have to really be interested, but I wanted to bring us back <laughs> to the. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say, I think I've got a couple of your books, Gene, from when I first started getting into home computing. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is, you know, technical stuff. Wow. You know, to, to be able to turn that out, that really takes some persistence. Well, the thing is, a lot of it is very boilerplate in terms of instructions. So it's pretty easy to go from one to the other because they lock you into a very specific format. So each one's a little bit of a segment. Okay, an introduction, then your 
step-by-step stuff. So it's really very much programmed. You try to insert your creativity and your individuality in it. And the better ones do that. But it's still really production line. You're manufacturing a book there. It's not as creative, not nearly as creative as anything that uh, Nick Redfern would do. Nick, I want to take this back to this because of the Soviet Union and, of course, the end of the Cold War, late 80s, early 90s. We kind of thought for a while until uh, Putin came in there that the Russians were kind of sort of our friends. But did the involvement in the UFO field end with the empire? Well, I think most people actually thought, and I think thought correctly, that, you know, when um, Gorbachev was in power, that finally, you know, we were going to become friends, you know. And I mean, you look back at film footage and uh, news footage, you know, I think there genuinely was. We were that close as we could be, you know, to being friends with the Russians. And, you know, people were rejoicing, you know. I mean, the Berlin Wall came down and um, Reagan and Gorbachev, you know, were were meeting each other and, and shaking hands and everything. And I think there was that a deep sense of finally you know we can sleep soundly you know but it's just changed now i mean in today's world now you would not think about this crazy absolutely crazy people who think you can win a nuclear war i've seen where people say well we've got 10 times more nukes than the russians doesn't matter you know the russians have still got enough to wipe us out and people don't realize that you know they think that we can actually sort of go head to head with the Russians and win. Actually, no one can win. It's impossible because the the nukes today are so powerful. And, you know, you're talking about something that just vaporized something like the city of Dallas. You know, I live like 20 miles from Dallas. God forbid we ever had a nuclear war. Dallas would be vaporized. Millions of people would be vaporized in seconds, you know. That's why we're so concerned about the, this, the, uh, you know, some of the third world nations coming up and getting a hold of this technology, because up until now, it's been the mad thing, the mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Well, now you've got these wild cards coming up, out, you know, out of the yeah. woodwork. And it's like, oh, man, you know, this could yeah. be a whole new problem. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like North Korea, it's kind of like you know, just a, like a a stick of dynamite, you know, is it going to be ignited or, or not, you know, and I mean, that, although there's a lot of blustering between, the, you know, the superpowers and the, you know, the big powers, it's not so much those because, you know, despite all the, the blustering and the bad acid and all this kind of thing, despite all that, both sides know that really neither can win. But you're right. When it comes to these crazy little dictators and things like that, who all they want is one or two bombs, you know, which could take out an entire city and you would not be able to get within 50 miles of that city for like 200 years. You know what I mean? Those are the people I think we really have to sort of worry about. Ego puts them on the map for, you know, for a lifetime. You know, they really want a legacy of negativity to leave to the world. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, we're focusing here completely on Russia from Mm. World War II and beyond to the present day. What are they doing nowadays? In addition to screwing around with our elections, what are they doing in terms of the UFO field, maybe? Well, there's actually two angles that I talk about in the last two chapters of the book. One of them also revolves around Majestic 12. Now, 
before we get to the angle of the 1990s era MJ-12 documents, it's important to note that in the 1980s and the 1990s, the Russians, the KGB, Right in the 80s, started to spread rumors that the United States government was behind the creation of HIV, the AIDS virus. The Russians created an entire program to try and spread this rumor, the idea that, you know, that the U.S. scientists working for the DOD had created AIDS and it was going to be like a doomsday weapon to lower population levels, etc., etc. Now, over the years, you know, this theory has been sort of um, championed by various people in the uh, conspiracy theory world. But it finally came to an issue where the Russians essentially said that, yes, we did sort of promote this theory and it was done to try and have people suspicious and, you know, fearful of the US, you know, creating these doomsday viruses. But what's particularly intriguing is that in the 1990s, after this sort of AIDS program, disinformation program was created by the Russians, in the 1990s, there was another batch of uh, MJ-12 surfaced, uh, documents surfaced from a guy named Timothy Cooper. And Tim Cooper was somewhat like a second wave, if you like, of people who received countless numbers of MJ-12 documents. One of these documents talked about how supposedly a UFO had been found crashed in the New Mexico desert and that when scientists and personnel went out there, they fell sick and died almost immediately. And the story in the documents is that they were killed by an alien virus, which was bloodborne and would get into the um, the bloodstream of, of, a, of a human and you know, they would die in no time at all. Now, a lot of the descriptions in the MJ-12 documents of this so-called alien virus are eerily similar to the real effects of AIDS. And I point out in the book, given the fact that the CIA back in the 80s were convinced that, um, the, that the Russians had created these MJ-12 documents, they also wondered if these latter-day MJ-12 documents talking about alien viruses very similar to AIDS. The theory was that, that the CIA had was, well, could this be sort of like a, a follow-on program on the part of the Russians using the UFO subject as a means to, look, to have the US look bad by sort of retroactively kind of uh, trying to create alien viruses. Okay, okay uh, this... And, uh... Nick, this yeah. brings up just right in here. We got to get this. This ties right into our last question on the forum by Farla Goldstein. And uh, so we've covered some of this, but you're kind of like, this is a really good spot to just uh, slice this in here. In your view, did the U.S. reciprocate then and make use of the UFO topic or any other topics to influence the USSR back for what they were doing to us? Oh, yeah. I mean, one perfect example goes way back till the uh, late 1940s when the um, U.S. military started to spread rumors that um, sightings have been made of, uh, this is back in 47, 48, that on, while they were on maneuvers that um, American troops were seen um, traveling along the roads with tanks and trucks and so on. And behind them was this image in the sky 
of the Virgin Mary, suggesting that God and the Virgin Mary were on the side of the United States. Now, this story was spread across Eastern Europe for people who could pick up the signal on their little radios at home. Um, but it was actually a totally fabricated story. Let's break that at that point because I want to continue. Okay. We've got a cliffhanger. Okay. The Virgin Mary. Hmm. A fabricated story. That's what we're talking about here with the Russians trying to fool us. We're trying to fool the Russians. Ah, it will never end with Gene and Nick and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. About six months ago, my wife bought Extendivite. She didn't tell me she was giving it to me. So after about three days, I said, maybe, you know, maybe the weather's changed or something. I said, my, my, my legs feel really good. And she goes, well, I've been giving you this stuff, and it was the Extendivite. And you know that I'm about 75% better. I can actually climb stairs now, and I can get up out of chairs. I can I can even get down, and, you know, I got to work under a table or a computer table and work on a computer. I can actually get back up off the floor. You know what? It's an amazing product. I can't believe I didn't think anything short of having surgery was going to help. Extendivite is only sixty nine ninety five for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. 
Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform form and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. All right, guys. All right, guys. We're not going to discuss extending it because what happens is we use computers, or the network does, to stitch our show together and insert commercials. And when you have that extended noise, I think it blows some circuitry. I'm not sure. Nick, you were continuing on that subject. Let's yeah, Virgin there. Mary. Yeah. Yes, the Virgin yeah, Mary. There were a number of cases in the late 40s where U.S. intelligence spread rumors across Eastern Europe and into Russia claiming that U.S. soldiers had been seen in conjunction with sightings of the Virgin Mary, that she would be hovering over U.S. tanks and hovering over the U.S. flag. And the stories were totally bogus and created by American intelligence to try and convince the Russian people that the Christian way of life was the right way of life. And we know this because... You know, you have this situation of the Virgin Mary um, hovering over the tanks. Now, it literally was a totally bogus story. The Russians, Russian intelligence, sort of knew that immediately. But the people in Russia did not know that. And it really did make them think, wow, you know... um, Maybe we should be following the you know the American way of life. And this was forty seven, <laughs> forty eight. That's a, like a perfect early example of using like a supernatural phenomena. In this case, not UFOs, but the Virgin Mary, and using that supernatural phenomena as a means to affect the mindset of the Russian people. That's sort of like a, a classic example of it. Yeah, that's a really good example. And, you know, yeah. of course, we know that the whole Fatima thing is is related to the UFO subject as well. So, you know, it's not entirely disconnected at all. All this stuff seems kind of connected. A uh, forum participant here who just posted another new question. So Rusty Shackelford asks, and we've covered some of this already, but who do you think cr- actually did create the MJ-12 documents, like in your own, say, just your own opinion? And who, where did Timothy Good, if you happen to know, get his from, if you happen to know that? And then he says, well, was it maybe connected to Richard Doty? Question mark. Well, this is sort of a... Uh 
a significant area, but also a, a controversial and um, you know difficult area to sort of look into. But I mean, what I would say, I mean, there are numerous theories for the MJ-12 documents. One is the idea that they really were leaked documents, US documents, that told the story of a highly classified group, MJ-12, buried extremely deeply within the US intelligence slash community. So there's that angle. Then you have the idea it was just created by UFO researchers to try and, you know, further amplify the controversy surrounding Roswell. Or you have the CIA's theory, which was that the MJ-12 documents were like a dangling carrot. You give us something, we'll give you something, but the Russians get something real and we just get garbage. To me, that is the most plausible theory. I can't say it's the correct one, but out of all the different theories, I think it is the one that makes the most sense. Certainly for the CIA, you know, it made the most sense as well. In terms of Tim Good, Tim has sort of come to play into this because in 1987, his book Above Top Secret was published. And that was actually the first book that ever published um, the MJ-12 documents within that particular field, you know, UFO books. Now, it's important to note that the people who first got the MJ-12 documents were Jamie Chandray and Bill Moore, and then they shared that material with um, Stan Friedman. And the three of them worked very quietly and carefully to analyze these documents, try to determine if they were the real deal or not. Now, what happened was that Moore and his group learned that Tim Good was writing this book above top secret, and word also got out that the documents were going to appear in Tim's book above top secret. So quite understandably, Stan, Jamie, and Bill were thinking, well, you know, we've been doing all this research. We want to, you know, be noted for this as well. So what happened was that Tim Good published these documents, the MJ-12 documents, in 1987 in his book, Above Top Secret. But then Bill Moore, Stan Friedman, Jamie Chandray very quickly followed up and put out their own copies of the documents uh, because quite understandably, you know, they'd done a lot of research and they didn't want to be put in a position where, you know, they were sort of overseen and, and forgotten about. But as far as the origin of the documents being placed into the public domain, that's sort of difficult to know. I mean, a number of researchers said they'd heard rumors of MJ-12 back in the early 1980s and that, you know, something was going to sort of come out in relation to, you know, this classified group and so on. The, the thing that really kicked everything off was Tim Good's book. There's absolutely, you know, no doubt about that at all. As far as the, the actual media coverage began, Tim Good's book came out in the summer of 1987 with the MJ-12 documents in them. But as far as I know, the very first media coverage uh, was on May the 31st, 1987. And this was an article written in the London Observer newspaper by a guy named Martin Bailey, a journalist working for the Observer, wrote an article. Um, and the article was titled, Close Encounters of an Alien Kind. And now if you've read enough about the election, here's news from another world. That's what the title and subtitle of the article was. As far as I know, the Observer's article 
as written by Martin Bailey, was the very first information put into the public domain concerning the MJ-12 documents. So if anybody wants to take this further, try and track down Martin Bailey of the London Observer and ask him where he got the information about the MJ-12 documents because he really was the first person to write about that in not just a British newspaper, but in any newspaper. Very interesting. Now, completely switching uh, sort of away from, well, not entirely away from Russia here, I just uh, noticed fairly recently, and uh, I'm sure that you've sort of hit on this in the past too, but back in February, this CNN ran a piece saying that the Russians had reopened the Dyatlov Pass mystery, you know, about the mysterious deaths and disappearances of the seven men and two women who'd set off during January 59. Or is that something maybe we can get you to tell us about next well, time? Well, I mean, I have written about that in the past, but, you know, it's one of these things where, like so many cases, it's so old that we're almost sort of, you know, reaching a, that kind of brick wall scenario. Not because, you know, there isn't a lot of data. There actually is, you know, there's photographs and uh, papers and all sorts of things. But the problem is, it's so long ago that we have, as I said, met that kind of brick wall situation. And it's a bit like, you know, the Kennedy assassination or Roswell. It's like, how do you take it any further? And I think that's the same with like the uh, pass. It's really reached that point. But if we're going to take it further, we need something that's new. As far as I know, at least right now, you know, there isn't anything new and that's, that's really going to throw the doors wide open. Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Rick Vincent. Barry weakened back to a tropical storm after making landfall in Louisiana. While speaking with reporters, Louisiana's governor, John Bell Edwards, predicted that his state is likely to get a lot of precipitation. Rainfall remains the primary hazard. We are still looking at 10 to 15 inches of rain with the possibility of higher isolated amounts. As we all know, however, it doesn't take much saturation of the ground so that even slighter winds can have a devastating impact 
with respect to trees falling onto houses and highways and so forth, uh, as well as utility poles. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell. While the storm surge risk on our Mississippi River has passed, the primary risk continues to remain heavy rains for the city of New Orleans. Barry is the 50th hurricane to hit Louisiana since 1851. This is USA Radio News. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. You guys have a great product, and I tell my friends about it, and I was actually talking to a guy the other day I just met, and he, he takes them. So you put out a great product, and I want to thank you and your, your organization. I just started using it, and my family's already seen the difference. And I have uh, health issues. I have fibromyalgia, asthma, but all of a sudden everything's clearing up and I'm feeling better and my skin's better. My mother said I look 10 years younger already. Wow, okay. My vision is clear. I already see the difference. People are seeing the difference and my doctor is seeing the difference. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. For a limited time, you can receive a 30% discount and free shipping on your first preferred order of balance of nature. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 hey this is marie d jones the author of this book is from the future and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio I don't know if this relates to anything, Nick, but I'll throw it in. All the current activity we're hearing about the Two of the Stars Academy and the Pentagon UFO program, the Naval Sighting Directive and all that, any connection, possible connection with what the Russians are doing now? Well, I mean, it's possible. I mean, the one thing more than anything else that what all of this tells us, you know, the the, the end of 2017, you know, when the, the information came out, you know, to the effect that the government has a classified UFO program and um, you know, remained successfully hidden for years. That was big news. I, I sometimes wonder if the timing of the information of that group surfacing was just coincidence or just random or if it was you know if it was actually 
meant to be like that. I mean, what that particular program demonstrated was the fact that, you know, the, the U.S. government, despite all the rumors against, you know, against it, really did have a highly classified UFO research program, which we'd all been told that it had all closed down after uh, Blue Book in 1969. Turns out that wasn't the case. Now, I think that the revelations and everything that's come forward, whether it's from the program itself to the stars or the statements from people like Senator Harry Reid, I think all of this is being put out for a, for a reason. I don't think it's just random stuff and, you know, little bit more bits of the story coming out. I'd have to say I'm not a big fan of the idea that we're going to get you know, sort of 100% disclosure, UFO disclosure, you know, in the next few weeks or months or whatever. But I do think somebody on the inside wants this information out to see how the media and the public and maybe even the Russians, you know, how they're reacting to what America, the American government, is saying about UFOs. It is getting a lot of coverage you know, and we are seeing a situation where, from my perspective, I could easily see how somebody, you know, somebody has their entire job is just to see what the reaction is. I think a lot of this story that's coming out is not just to tell us what's going on, but it's to see how we react to all of this. And maybe if we react in a positive way, maybe they'll give us more information, you know. So I think there's very much this aspect of manipulation going on. It's not just a case of let's get the story out because it's a cool story. I think there's way more going on than beyond that. We had a, a guest on recently, Dr. Michael Masters. His theory is that UFOs are actually time travelers who are coming back from the future. This isn't completely new, but he brought up the idea that, well, you know, that might explain why the DN there's this DNA match and so on that they seem to have and want to well, be so interested in their biology. What do you think of that? Well, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there is a genuine UFO phenomenon. It doesn't matter if, you know, the Russians or the Americans created fabricated stuff to freak each other out. But the fact is, in my mind, there is a genuine UFO phenomenon as well. But in saying that, for all the years I've investigated these phenomena, I still don't know what the origin of the phenomenon is. Now, maybe it's time travel. Maybe they are extraterrestrials. Maybe they're sort of extra-dimensional or multi-dimensional. Or as some researchers, you know, suggested paranormal. And, you know, some people even go down, down like the demonic path. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but I do think the phenomenon is real. And I think people in government know it's real, even if they don't fully understand <laughs> what it is. This brings up a really interesting uh, possibility then. Um, maybe we're dealing with commies from the future. You know, maybe we've got a, a cold war <laughs> going between, you know, future factions of political parties that are coming back and influencing us that way. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's one of the sort of fascinating but also frustrating aspects of the UFO phenomenon is a lot of theories, a lot of data, but we're very much stuck for definitive answers. That's what we all want. We want the answers. And 
I have to be, you know, a person to admit it. We are looking for answers, but what we have is a lot of data, a lot of testimony and witness reports, but that doesn't amount to proof. What would amount to proof for you, Nick? Well, I think if you look at some of the classic cases in the 50s where you had objects seen visibly, you know, and also recorded on radar, and pilots, trained pilots, were seeing, you know, circular, gleaming silver, massive objects streaking away from them. It's very difficult to write off those type of stories. So I think it's a lot of those classic cases that convince me that the phenomenon is real. But at the end of the day, the only thing that is really going to convince everybody is if, say, for example, the Department of Defense says, we've decided to go clean on Roswell, and here's the bodies. You know, we all get a close-up on CNN of the, these rotted corpses, and the government makes available all the original files on Roswell. That's the only thing I think that would really convince everybody. And even then, some people might say, well, that's just a ruse, you know, another kind of age of terror, you know. Yeah, so, no doubt. Um, I mean, there's still yeah. people that, well, we would like back to the beginning of the show. There's people that don't believe the moon landing happened. There's still people yeah. that believe the yeah. earth is flat. You know, these yeah. guys that have to literally be able to, I think, get on a mothership yeah. and be taken, you know, off to another planet before they yeah. would realize that, yeah, you know, this is something yeah. that's really happening. Yeah, it's difficult to know, you know, if people would accept it, even if they were shown it. But some might say, oh, well, they're just dummies, and this is just another way to control us and keep us in a state of fear, you know. So. Or like you said earlier, they'd, they'd just be apathetic and be like, well, fine, so what, as long as they don't land on the golf course while I'm making my swing, you, you know, that'll yeah, be well, a- well, you're right. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, there is that angle of people saying, well, I just don't care. I just want to know who's going to get thrown off the latest reality show, you know. You know, is Sarah going to stay on or is, or is you know, is Alison going to get thrown off? You know what I mean? Yeah. But there totally. is that angle that people just, really so into reality tv and things like that that maybe people just don't care you know well there's people watching what's this new and unidentified or something that's people the project blue book docufiction you know have you followed any of that what do you think of it well not really mainly because i think most paranormal tv shows are are garbage you know it's typically kind of like a bunch of people go out in the you know the vehicle and it's late at night and they're looking in the woods for something and somebody says what was that what was that you know <laughs> there's a and there's a bit of like uh, night vision equipment they go out to a military base and there's a fence keep away and that's the episode that's the entire take on all these shows so i really don't watch much of them because that's all it is. I'll watch them when they've got something beyond just, what the hell was that? And, you know, um, you get up to the, the fence and keep out and all that kind of stuff. It's it's just garbage, you know. It's just, it doesn't prove anything, you know. So I, I just really don't watch them. So is there anything that you really want to say to get across about this? Have you got any 
speaking engagements coming up? Shows you're going to be at? Uh, I'm speaking first weekend in August at what's called the UFO Hub, a brand new UFO conference. And um, what I will also say is that, you know, the book is not um, a debunking look at ufology or anything like that. What it does is demonstrate there's a real UFO phenomenon, but people in the Kremlin realize that they could manipulate this very real misunderstood unidentified phenomenon they could actually use it as a tool of psychological warfare and disinformation to try and destabilize the u.s population let's do our break there more to come russian interference gene randall nick you're in the paragon cast for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state, until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. This 
This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens, and we're proud to promote amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Visit GCNLife.com for products like Luminesce. The Luminesce Anti-Aging Skincare Line restores youthful vitality and radiance to your skin, reducing the appearances of fine lines and wrinkles with stem cell technology. There's also Instantly Ageless, which works within two minutes, reducing under-eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, and pores. Jeunesse has products to help you with how you look and feel in a very short time. Noble-nominated Dr. Vincent Jampapa has designed several products helping the body perform better. Jeunesse products have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and they're available up to a 25% preferred price discount. See all of the amazing Jeunesse products at GCNLife.com or call toll-free 1-844-443-6637. 1-844-443-6637. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Fast question before we get back to the things you're doing, Nick. In connection, of course, with the meddling we do with U.S. elections, the Russians, the meddling that they're doing. Is this UFO thing being run by the same department, or is it just they have different divisions meddling with different well, things? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult question. What I would say, I think there are multiple groups and agencies that are looking into the UFO subject and using it for their own ends, and we're just seeing, you know, a small picture of it all. In a case like this, what does our government, if anything, know about what the Russians are doing? Do they have knowledge that... They are meddling with us well, I think about they, UFOs? Yeah, I think they know that the Russians have been, and possibly still are, manipulating the phenomenon for psychological reasons. But I think they also know that, just like with U.S. intelligence, they know there's a real phenomenon as well. So, so are we doing the same thing in Russia? We have Russian sightings yes. that can be traced to the U.S.? Yes, I think, you know, what they're doing to us is exactly what we're doing to them as well. It's investigating real cases, but also using, you know, the um, the bogus side of it too. Having raised the obvious interference that the Russians would engage in with the U.S., other countries might be doing it? Are the Russians doing the <laughs> UFO thing with other countries? Yeah, but- That's a good question. I mean, in terms of Australia and the UK, it seems like they were trying to stop it. It wasn't like they were trying to mimic, I don't think. You know, it was like very much, um, well, we want to try and stop this, but we're not going to sort of um, replicate it. But I think with the US, it was a case of, well, if the Russians want to say this, you know, we'll amp it up to another level, you know. So it depends on the, the relevant country, I think, so. You don't just write books. You also write a blog and you contribute to other websites. And uh, you Mm -hmm. wrote an article back on June 25th 
for a mysterious universe called The Creepiest Creature of the Woods. That's a pretty interesting story. You want to give people a bit of a teaser about that? Oh, yeah, that was about the, the whole Slenderman phenomenon, I think, um, where people actually reported seeing the Slenderman, this sort of creepy, skinny creature that's become sort of almost like iconic, was actually seen before it was created on the Internet, as if somehow, you know, the, the image of the Slenderman was sort of circulating long before it was actually created, which, you know, really sort of amps up the weirdness, you know, when it comes to things like this. Yeah, that's weird enough in itself, let alone you know, out, <laughs> out in the woods. The woods are a freaky enough yeah. place, let alone to have something like that out there, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, sort of demonstrate the nature of reality. You know, did we inadvertently create the, the Slender Man image, you know? Um, was it something that was sort of circulating, sort of like, you know, the subconscious and um, somebody picked up on it and created it, you know, and gave it that name, not realizing that, you know, the image of it and w- was already in place? Yeah, like some kind of a talpa or we're back to like Greg Bishop's yeah, exactly. uh, co-creation or something, yeah. Yeah. Nick, we were going into briefly some of your public appearances, and then we kind of vectored off. Let's go back to that in the remaining few minutes of our episode. Okay. Well, I've gone, I'm speaking at the UFO Hub, which is a new conference in the Ozarks on the first weekend of August. Uh, if you just Google UFO Hub, uh, Ozark, you'll find the, the story. And one of my other big interests is cryptozoology, the study of unknown animals. And I'll be at the Texas Bigfoot Conference in early October, which is always a good conference and gets sort of audiences about four or five hundred people. And um, That'll be in Jefferson, Texas. So, yeah, and a lot of um, local, regional groups and things like that. So uh, it all keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> What's the next book about? Are you working on it now? Yeah, I've actually got a very different book coming out early next year. It's called Assassins, and it's all like a study of throughout history of assassinations. So it's going back to like Julius Caesar, right up to, you know, mysterious deaths in the in the modern day. And I assume, of course, that you are going to cover the Kennedy assassination there. Yep, that's in there, as are Robert Kennedy and uh, a bunch of other known ones and lesser known ones as well. Of course, John Lennon. Yep, yeah, he's in there as well, yeah. What do you think the conspiracy is with regard to Lennon's death? Just a lone maniac or what? Well, if there is a conspiracy, I would say in relation to Kind of like George Adamski, he had a huge following. People listened to him, and he was very much, you know, based around peace and, you know, let's not go down this sort of terrible path of nuclear war and so on. He was very much, you know, a man of peace. And again, like I said earlier, if he didn't have a big following like Adamski, no one would have cared. But John Lennon had a massive following, you know. Well, you kind of wonder there why he was the only Beatle they took out, or because of the fact that he lived in New York, he didn't have a lot of security, and he was a fairly easy target. Yeah, you know, the other three were really were protesters like he was, you know. As we know, they tried to throw him out of the U.S. Nixon tried to get him out of the U.S. Yeah. And he had to fight that. Yeah. You know, a lot of them will probably never know the answer to, you know, a lot of these things, well, he saw a UFO, and he was going to tell everybody about no, it. Right. But he did tell everybody yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 But that's true, of course, with a lot of the musical artists. 
the interest in UFOs, like, of course, we all remember that the guy with the trogs, the song, of course, they were famous for Wild Thing. Reg Presley wrote a book on crop circles. Unfortunately, he died before I knew about the book. I would have loved to have had him, uh, have him on the show. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of people involved, you know, music, also intrigued, you know, by the UFO subject as well. So. Well, I first thought of this back years ago. The album was Axis Bold as Love. Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. Up From the Skies. Now, I have to tell you, I wasn't a Jimi Hendrix fan. I realize everybody says he's the greatest, one of the greatest guitarists in the world. I just wasn't a fan. I got the album because of that one song, which, by the way, was a lousy song. <laughs> wow. You see, now all the Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix fans on. in the audience are going to say, this Steinberg guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't like the music of the 60s. Well, I'm a fan of the Beatles and the Stones and the a lot of the other music from the 60s. I think the problem is I don't think that the music today, for the most part, is worth anything. I think it's just corporate. Well, it's kind of what they were doing with rock and roll, the late 50s, early 60s. You had corporate rock. The preliminary stages of corporate rock, like Fabian and people like that. Why are we getting into this? Listen, Nick, Before we get too crazy, can you tell our listeners, they want to know more of what you do, and you do so much, it's hard to follow you around. Where do they go? Yo, Nick? For a very brief time here, we got disconnected with Nick. And I thought maybe because I dissed Jimi Hendrix. But you're not a fan of Jimi Hendrix, are you? Actually, I don't mind some of Hendrix's stuff. You know, he's sort of pretty powerful and loud, you know, and... um I just don't like, uh, I like mainly I like punk music, but um, there's some music I sort of diverse away from now and again. <laughs> Let's find out here, if we want to find out more of what you do, where do we go? Uh, well, I have a blog called World of Whatever, just Google Nick Redfern, World of Whatever. Uh, you can also reach me um, at Facebook and Twitter and um all the books are available uh, on Amazon, and most of them you can get off Barnes & Noble as well. So if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos any more money to <laughs> fill his coffers, of course, he's now paying his ex-wife $35 billion, you know. Yeah. We don't want to get into that, really. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast, T-H-E, Paracast, two Paracast communities, groups, whatever, at Facebook. And one of these days, we'll get that all figured out, but not this year. Don't forget the Paracast Plus at plus.thepowercast.com. What we give you is an ad-free version of this show, free of the network ads, which means it's 41 minutes shorter with better quality. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast, and we've been featuring William Puckett, a really, really skilled UFO researcher and scientist. And he's been bringing up the latest UFO sightings. Of course, there are reports that the first part of this year, we had twice as many sightings as the previous year. Hmm. And one more thing. We will feature Nick Redfern on this week's episode of After the Paracast. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. Always a blast with Nick. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks, guys. The Paracast. 
featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. Thank <laughs> you.